say hello to Floyd Little and Jim Brown, Sean Tucker in the orange record books with his fifth touchdown of the game. All across CNY. Keep the tires and light the fires, Big Daddy. It's the 315. Hardy faking feeds the Grace Jameson. He scores! Here's Brian Higgins. What up, people? Welcome in on this Monday. Lots to get to today, my goodness. What a weekend it was. What sports weren't happening in a weird, wacky, and wild way this weekend? The World Cup, an all-timer of a final after an all-timer in a a bad way kind of lead up to the World Cup. NFL, what weren't they doing the last couple of days? The Giants won in nice, normal fashion. No... Nothing further to check in on there. The Bills won in a gathering snowstorm. Just a lot of good stuff going on this past weekend. Q's hoops tied to the half, pulled away, and knocked off Cornell down the stretch. We'll get to all that stuff in uh, football. Syracuse football played zero games this weekend and maybe had more stuff happen than anybody else uh, with uh, people coming and going and whatnot all since the show ended on uh, Friday. So uh, lots to get to. Over the course of the day today, welcome in. Our guest today will be National Football League focus. We'll be talking Giants at 3 o'clock. Charlie Carroll of The Athletic will join us then. We'll be talking Bills at 3.30. Dan Fates of Wham! in Rochester will join us at 3.30 today. So uh, lots of NFL in Hour 2. And we'll get to... Uh, the craziest moment uh, of the NFL weekend, which had to be the Chandler Jones touchdown yesterday for the Raiders. So a lot of that we'll get to in the second hour today. Hit a little bit of what's happened with the football team, the comings and goings. Recap our uh, week of picks. Okay week of picks for the man who sort of knows and uh, the psycho six-pack. And we'll make time in the next segment Jim Boeheim's post-game press conference was a little bit different than normal this week. He always comes in, makes an opening statement, kind of uh, tells you everything he thinks about the game, and then generally uh, takes questions. This past week, obviously the day after we learned of Lewis Orr's passing from cancer, Jim, you know, went in, talked, Jesse Edwards this, Joe Girard that, yada, yada, yada. And then the rest of it was uh, everything that had to do with Lewis. We will play back for you what Jim had to say about Lewis in segment two today. Segment three at 2.30, we will be giving away tickets to tomorrow. Not one, not two, not three. We got a four-pack, a family four-pack of tickets tomorrow night uh, for a 9 o'clock tip. So maybe an older family. Maybe you got some teenagers. Maybe you just got two good friends you can go with. We got four tickets for the pit game tomorrow night, 9 o'clock or in the Dome. Trivia. 2.30. 2.30. Don't call now. Then I will tell you when to call. Not now. Later. 2.30. Tickets. Trivia. But let's start with the basketball game. The Orange played Cornell on Saturday. There was a lot of, you know, talk going into the game. Hey, this Cornell team. Mm. The Orange might want might to be a little worried. They shoot a lot of threes. They get up and down. They make a lot of threes. They average 12 made threes a game coming in. And they ended up making 13. Problematic, yes. Game was tied at the half at 37. The Orange were down 11 at one point in the first half. 
And then Syracuse locked in second half, outplayed him thoroughly, and won the game by 15 going away. You look at the final, 78-63, and you say, ho-hum, what's the big deal? Well, the Orange were in a dogfight there in the first half. But we're able to figure it out. Cornell shot the most threes they had ever shot in the history of the program, 48, after taking 47 in the Dome last year. It's weird to say with three-pointers, they made just 13 of them shooting only 27% ended up losing the game by five three-pointers, which not inconceivable they could have made the way the game played out. But uh, I think it's it's not going to be metrically a good win for the Orange. It's not going to be a quad anything win that matters down the stretch, but that was a good win. It was a solid win the way the game played out. You didn't play well for the first, I don't know, 10 minutes at least, maybe 15. And you end up winning the game comfortably going away by... 15 points. And there was a lot going into it. Coach Beheim said after the game, Jesse Edwards, I thought, okay, Cornell might make a lot of threes. Cornell has nothing, nothing to stop Jesse Edwards. How could they stop him? Jesse ended up with a double-double. For anybody else, 11 points, 12 rebounds. Wow, what a great game. But we know for Jesse, the way he's been playing, it was eh. And he wasn't scoring in the first half. Now he played well after halftime. But it's just nothing looked right. And Coach said after that he was sick under the weather, which may explain it. But I, I thought he'd dominate and then didn't. And then oddly, what turned the game for Syracuse was the same thing that has been hurting Syracuse this whole season. We have been pulling hair out about the forwards. My goodness, are there any forwards on this team that could play? What is going on with the forwards? Who's going to play this forward? Who's going to play that forward? Can any forward grab a rebound? Can anybody make a three at the forward position? Can you play two power forwards? Can you play two small forwards? Is he small or is he power? Why, again, can't anybody get a rebound? This has been the whole season. And go figure. And I get it, Cornell's an undersized team. This probably wouldn't work against, for the most part, the rest of the schedule the Orange have coming up. We'll see. But... ACC the rest of the way, for the most part, everyone has, good, bad, or otherwise, a center that is big enough to be a center. But the Orange got away. They did more than get away. It, it turned the game. End of the first half, beginning of the second half. Malik Brown playing center with Benny Williams and with Chris Bell. And it did more than work. It's when the Orange made their run and took control of the game when that trio was in the game as the back line of the zone with Malik playing center, where that's just not a thing he's done. So kudos to them, especially to Chris Bell, because we've been killing him, because he can't, won't, whatever, get a rebound. Well, he hasn't turned into Dennis Rodman, but five boards, so five, what's it? well, it's a career high. More than he's ever had before. By two. And more importantly than that for me, there was just a few plays in the game where hustle, activity, this, that, and the other, uh, two come to mind. One is the the big, giant block shot he had. Now, maybe instead of swatting the ball into oblivion, he could have just grabbed it. But let, let's set that aside for now. A couple weeks ago, he wouldn't have even shot at the... Sw- the sh- swatted the shot, he said, into anywhere. He would have stood there, and the Cornell guy would have laid it in. Instead, he got 
on Nylid. And then a play stood out. This was late in the first half, I believe. And in the box score, it doesn't look, in the box score, it, it appears in no way at all other than ball deflected, ball out of bounds, Cornell ball. But Chris sprinted his way toward midcourt, deflected the pass out of bounds, going for a steal. Cornell still had the ball, and then whatever happened the rest of the possession. It's not important. The effort and the results are separate right now, especially in regards to these freshmen. A week ago, two weeks ago, Chris Bell, it wouldn't have occurred to him to sprint towards center court to attempt to deflect a pass out of bounds. So we're starting to see a little something, and that's promising. We know the guy can shoot it. We know that's his lead skill. But him, and this goes for the other guys, he's just been the most obvious example this season. If they don't do the other stuff, the stuff they're good at does not matter. Can you hit the three threes? Yeah. Can you make a pull-up jumper? Yeah. But if you're not preventing the other team from scoring at the other end, at least a little bit, that stuff just it doesn't matter. The negatives are larger than the positives. And you've seen Jim Beheim just losing his mind in post-game press conferences about it. Not yelling or anything about it, but just staring at the stat sheet. Clearly, after 47 years, it's it's like he's seen an alien ghost. Like he's looking at something he's never seen before. Like, why do my forwards get zero rebounds? And he said that post-game this game. It's like they can't, and this was, Jesse's a little under the weather. He's out. He's out of the game for a few minutes. And Jim said, these other guys need to realize that Jesse can't get literally every rebound. And okay, baby steps. Baby steps in the right direction. But in the right direction is the most important part here as we get to the end of non-conference play. And I know people are wonder, worried about net rankings and quad this wins and quad that wins. And yes, hopefully that will be important come March. And yes, I get it. It's important now. But it's not. What's important now is this team is playing better than it was three weeks ago. And they appear much, 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 much more ready to approach and attack the remaining 19 games of the conference slate than they did after the Illinois game. And I get it. Besides the Notre Dame game, who have they beaten? What have they done? That's beside the point right now. It's effort going for rebounds. It is... Attention to detail on defense and doing what you are supposed to do. It's hustling for a loose ball. It is blocking a shot aggressively out of bounds, even if you maybe could have caught it. It's all of that stuff. And that's stuff that didn't exist three weeks ago, and it exists now. So heading in the right direction, now 19 conference games the rest of the way. The Orange take on Pittsburgh tomorrow night, 9 o'clock, late night, folks. Post game after me and Devo, 11 ish to 12 ish. We'll take your calls. We'll hear from Coach Beheim, all that good stuff after the game, as we always do. But tomorrow, re begins the journey the rest of the way. It's only conference games from here. We can think and worry about the tournament later. And when we get to March, Syracuse may be ruining the Bryant loss. You may be ruining the Colgate loss. Maybe. But. This last two and a half, three weeks has at least put the Orange in position to get back on the road to maybe having a chance to rue those losses from before. Because what we saw the first month of the season, 
before the Notre Dame game, the Orange weren't going to be in a position to rue anything other than the whole year. Now they're stepping up. Can he beat Pitt at home on a Tuesday night? Absolutely. Guarantee? No. But I think the Orange are the better team. We'll get into that game uh, tomorrow. Curtis Aiken, Pittsburgh's color analyst on the radio broadcast, will be joining us uh, tomorrow at 3.30. Looking forward to chatting to Curtis. Then you got BC on New Year's Eve afternoon at 2. You're definitely better than BC. Then you're on the road at Louisville. Everyone in the league's better than Louisville. If you win these three, that's an eight-game winning streak. Going into Virginia. Eight. None are guaranteed. Not after the first month of this season. But the last couple weeks, the Orange have shown significant strides. Tied at halftime with Cornell, down 11 at one point to winning, going away by 15 against a team that can shoot it as good as anybody out there. Significant strides. Is this team ready for the top 25? Absolutely not. But, Trending positively. And that's a good place to be right now for this team and for Jim Beheim and uh, where they are going and certainly where they've been here over the course of the opening now 12 games of the season, the 11 uh, non-conference games and the, the one conference game they've played so far. The Orange still remain 1-0 and in the ACC with that win against Notre Dame. And congrats to the SU women uh, yesterday. They won their conference opener as well with Felicia Leggett-Jack, a come-from-behind win against uh, Wake Forest in the fourth quarter. Uh, Wake's not good, people. They're bad, but... Again, yeah, same deal as the men against uh, Cornell. You figured it out at some point. The women did not look good for three quarters, but they figured it out at some point and were able to uh, pull it out of the fire and win the game in the fourth quarter. So uh, both sides are 1-0 and in ACC play. Again, trivia for tickets, a four-pack for tomorrow night for Pittsburgh. That is coming up at 2.30. Immediately next, we'll hear Coach Beheim's thoughts on the passing of his dear friend and initial recruit, one Lewis Orr. We'll do that when we come back after this. It's QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio. ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. All across CNY, it's the 315. Here's Brian Higgins. So uh, for those not watching on QSportsTalk.com today, and who are you? Other than, you know, safe drivers or something like that. We're, we're busy eating cookies during the break today. We're judging the office cookie Christmas contest. You know, everybody in the office can judge it, but as far as I know, we're the only one judging it on the air anywhere. So if I sound like I have something stuck between my teeth, it's probably because I do. Anywho, we're back at it. And, you know, there's lots of stuff to kill. we got to eat cookies today. You know, this is a hard life. Just sitting here on the radio eating cookies. It's a grueling job. But I have four tickets. I must give them away. I yearn to give them away. Uh, so we got people on the line. 315-437-7644. Remember the number. If none of our first two get it right, you'll need to call and win these tickets. Four tickets to the game tomorrow. Peter in Oneida. Welcome in. Are you ready for our trivia today, Peter? Yes. Okay, Peter. Here is our question today. Uh, tomorrow the Orange are playing Pitt. What is the name of the basketball team that plays in an arena which is known as the pit. Ah. 
New Mexico State Lobos. That's um, that is technically incorrect, Peter. You are like the the Jeopardy board is going to have to buzz you out on that one. You're along the right path, but thank you for the call, uh, Peter. He said the New Mexico State Lobos. That's um, he's he's somewhere in the ballpark there, but not not quite. Not quite. Well, let's go back to the phone lines. Here's DJ and Cicero. DJ, uh, not sure if you heard our last caller there, his answer, but our, our trivia question today, and welcome in, DJ. Thank you. Is um, Syracuse is playing Pitt tomorrow. What basketball team plays in an arena that is nicknamed the Pitt? New Mexico Lobos. There you are. You eliminated the state, and you are a winner. Yeah, he was so close. There, yeah, he had it. It's like the Jeopardy person that gets the answer wrong in a way that makes everybody else get it right. But DJ... Uh, Congrats on it. Hang on the line. Uh, Jordan will get your info, and you are going to the game tomorrow night. Awesome. Thank you. All right. So uh, there we are. Man, uh, the New Mexico State Lobos. I felt bad. That's like the, you know, Alex Trebek back in the day or Ken Jennings hosting Jeopardy when they're they're waiting for the producer to get in the ear so if they can say whether the answer is right or not. Except I'm the, I'm the judge, jury, and executioner of my own trivia contest. So uh, sorry to Peter there. You Like, you had it, but you didn't. And th- this is... There's a tie here, people. You, you think we're you think we're just making up these questions willy nilly? No, no, no. There's a lot of pit going on because we have to talk football as well. And who just came to Syracuse from New Mexico? Not from the pit, but from nearby. Well, come on down, new defensive coordinator Rocky Long. You see how this all ties together? from a basketball arena that has the same nickname as the team the Orange are playing tomorrow to the new defensive coordinator of the team? How do these things happen? But my goodness, uh, from from the time we left the airwaves at 4 o'clock on Friday to right here, right now, boy, howdy, has a lot of stuff happened with the Orange football program. It's been, I mean, we talked about it last week. It's like if, if you don't like uh, the weather, wait a minute, because things just keep changing. And now that we've given it, you know, multiple, multiple days here between things, well, it's all added up. Now, last Friday we told you, and this again was not shocking news, but last Friday we found this out uh, later on Thursday afternoon that Garrett Williams was going to the draft. Okay, we know that. Friday, I think, if I'm recalling, was reasonably quiet, but... Here's a here's a wide variety of stuff we've learned about the Orange football team since Friday. I think we thought this was going to happen, but officially on Saturday, Rocky Long was hired as the defensive coordinator from where? From New Mexico. His major part of his career is tied to San Diego State as the head coach, and he is, as people have been calling him, Godfather. He is the godfather of the the three three five defense of his version of it anyway. So the Orange are going kind of in in reverse order. They got his protege, and now they got him because Tony White learned it from him. So now you got the guy, and I wonder if and how and what Rocky's going to do in the bowl game. We've not heard anything official on that. I it wouldn't be a asinine for Rocky to call the game. Like, assuming Tony White installed it like exactly the same, I don't know if this is true, but if the if the lingo and the verbiage is the same, it wouldn't be the kookiest thing of all time for Rocky to show up, pop on a headset, and be like, all right, 3-3-5 defense, 
I know this better than anybody. Why? I made it up. It's mine. Here's the plays. You know the names. Run them. Will that happen? I don't know. Or will he do it in tandem with Nick Monroe or something? But there's nothing that precludes a new coach from coaching in a bowl game as long as you've, you know, signed on the dotted line, done the paperwork, things you need to do. You're allowed to get out there and coach it up. But we'll see. It'll be interesting to see. And then there's uh, Sean Tucker. Then later on Saturday, declared for the draft, opted out of a bowl. Again, non-shocking, wishing the best for Sean. Also said, uh, yeah, he's not playing the bowl, but he'll be there. He'll be rooting the team on. Hey, that's great. And in this day and age, maybe in the very early days of this, the teammates would have been kind of annoyed by it. But I don't sense that's the case anymore. We're about 10 years into this stuff now. I don't think teammates care is the wrong word, but, you know. I think they'll be okay with it. And then Portal brought a couple in. Jaden Bellamy, a four-star DB from uh, Notre Dame. Jandre Reed's an offensive lineman from Hutchinson Community College in Kansas. Say, what's that? Well, Hutchinson, in, as far as community colleges go, is a powerhouse. Uh, the Orange have gotten a great player from Hutchinson before. It was a different sport, but uh, that's where Tiana Mungahia Mo- went to college. Not saying Jandre Reed is that, but... They know how to produce players, and in recruiting, a couple of linemen have been flipped coming in and all that. So things are on the move, and uh, we're rolling along on that. With that, let's head to the phone lines, get back to our previous topic. One, uh, Louis Orr, who passed away last week, Drew in the queues, is uh, with us. Drew, welcome in. Hey, thank you for taking my call, and happy holidays. Uh, But I I just want to say I, I was born in 1968, just to give my ear, but... My first memory of Syracuse basketball was the Louis and Bowie show at uh, Manly Field House. And what, what a great guy. I mean, again, Jim even talked about it. Like, I don't think this program would be what it is without those two guys. So I just want to say how sorry I am to his family and what an incredible player he was for Syracuse. Skinny. But, man, that guy could play the game. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, Drew. And uh, thanks so much for your call today and your, your remembrance of uh, that time of, of Syracuse basketball. And, you know, I, I think we saw it at the time. And, you know, people of uh, Drew's age, so he said he was born in 1968, so he would have been 8 years old when they started playing, you know, 8 to 12 years old while those guys were uh, playing college basketball. Uh, and that is the time when you get into it. You know, like My similar vintage would be, you know, tail end of Sherman Douglas tail end of D.C., Billy Owens into, you know, Lawrence Moten and, and that crew and into John Wallace and that kind of era. Like, those guys grab you in, whatever the era is. And Louie and Bowie, and it's the tail end of Manly and the whole thing, and, you know, Manly Field has is officially closed. We know the whole deal. But, like, those were guys with their style and the way they played the game. And the whole thing. Like, that, that ushered in an era of increased Syracuse fandom. It's an exceedingly important... I, I get it. It's almost 50 years ago now. Most programs out there, you know, they do not have the same foundation that goes back that far. Who does? I mean, nobody does in one coach. And it, it's hard to get there even with a straight lineage in a lot of those programs. Like Coach K at Duke, he wasn't there till go back to 76, what was it, 82, 83, when he took over that, that job at, at Duke. Like Carolina, I get it. Carolina's been great forever, but they've got undergone plenty enough changes over the years that it's not 
It's not directly connected anymore. Quite like that. Kansas, UCLA. Like any of those schools, Kentucky. It's not directly connected back that far back uh, the way Syracuse is, you know, to Lewis Orr and Roosevelt Bowie and the whole thing, where if you're playing at Syracuse right now, it's not it's the seven degrees or whatever, you know. It's the one degree going to your head coach. Oh, he coached those guys too. Like it's not a crazy kooky, you don't have to climb up and down ladders and try to figure it out uh, to get way back far. So, you know, sad stuff with uh, Lewis, but it, it's been fun having people call in here the last few days. Uh, post-game show Saturday, Friday when the news broke, just now they're talking to Drew. Let's say people of various ages all over that some, man, I didn't even see them play, but we know the stories of some, yeah, I was in class with them or Drew there. Yeah, I was eight years old. That uh, remember those guys. And, you know, they're all, like all the people we talk to also, I mean, generally you are if you're listening to the show, uh, but all the people we talk to are, you know, they're Syracuse fans. Now, and they were then, and maybe that was the first time. So kind of interesting getting uh, those thoughts and uh, remembrances uh, over the years. And uh, with that, we will hit a break. Uh, when we come back, uh, a review of our weekend in picks. It was okay. Better than, la- better than the last couple of weeks. We'll review what went right, what went wrong. Don't pick UFC fighters that you can't pronounce their name. We learned that. The Friday I said, pick them with impunity. No, that was incorrect. These things happen. We'll take a break. We'll eat some cookies during the break. Come join us on QSportsTalk.com if you want to be sad that you don't have a cookie. And when we come back, we'll do that. Top of the hour, Charlotte Carroll. We're talking Giants. Bottom of the next hour, 3.30. Dan Fates, we're talking Bills. Take a break now on QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio. Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse sports talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. All across CNY, it's the 315 Here's Brian Higgins. I don't want a lot for Christmas. There is just one thing I need. I don't care. This song is pretty famous, huh? This is like number one on all the Christmas songs list now. I enjoy this song, but also the classics. We gotta mix them in. It's our Christmas music bump season. Only two more shows this week. I'm not here Thursday or Friday, so we gotta get him in now. And but no, I also have two shows next week, people. Tuesday, Wednesday. I do not turn off the Christmas music the second Christmas ends. So Christmas music bumps next week too. For the people, we'll cut it off by New Year's. How about that? Anyway, we're rolling along on the program today. We talked a little football. We've given away tickets. We talked a little basketball. We'll officially recap that in the next hour. Important to stick to the order of operations. But right now, we will recap our picks from last week and uh, see how everybody did with their picks last Friday. Could we have the money now? The answer is no. I'm afraid I must insist. I'm telling you, it's a lock. But it rained last night. Exactly. What if there was a restaurant that didn't serve any food and just served up gambling? This horse loves the slop. It's his bloodlines. I thought gambling was illegal. 
<laughs> Not if no one sees you do it. Father was a mother. His mother was a mother. His mother was a mother. No, I think it still is. But not if no one knows about it. I didn't know you know how to play poker, Lois. Yeah. Well, how you doing? Yeah. That's <laughs> good, honey. Guaranteed bets. The man is a gambler. Results not guaranteed. Pay that man his money. It's the man who sort of knows. All right, uh... Recapping our picks from last week, how did the man who sort of knows did a four and two week for the man who sort of knows now thirty eight and thirty two all time he was up ten units on the the year going into last week. Uh, he handles that math, not I. Do not have that in front of me. Um, man, this was a four and two. That the fact that it wasn't five and one is infuriating because one of the losses came. On Friday night, Damian Lillard had been on a hot streak, a heater. Lillard's over-under Friday night at Dallas was 28 and a half points. Damian Lillard, after his first shot taken in the third quarter, which was a made three, had 24 points. He didn't score again. And not because he missed a lot of shots, because Dallas was up by like 20 or so, and in the NBA now, in a regular season game, if you're down by 20, you just uh, nobody plays anymore. They had a game the next night in Houston, blah, 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 blah. So Damian got to 24 and didn't get to shoot no more. Like that, he would have covered that so easy. But you know who doesn't care about that? Uh, your sports book. They're going to keep that money. So that's an L. Um, the next night, and, and this was... This was the man who's. This was a YOLO man who sort of knows big. The line wasn't even out yet. Alex Tuck, Beville's own. Buffalo Sabre. He didn't even know what the number was yet. He had been. His over under for shots on goal for a few weeks had been at two and a half, and he'd gone over in uh, nine straight games at that point. The man who sort of knows said, I don't care if it's two and a half. I don't care if they move it to three and a half. I don't care what they move it to. I'm taking the over. Saturday night in Phoenix. And you know how many shots Tuck put on net? Saturday night in Phoenix? Five. That's over. That's a win. Uh, UFC on Saturday night. They were somewhere. They were fighting the guy whose name we can't pronounce. You know, I suppose I could have learned it over the weekend. I didn't. But Mahashida Hayasir. But, meh. Something like that. Uh, you know, here's the name we should know. The guy who was fighting, Hafa Garcia. Why? They went three rounds. Garcia won all of them. 30 27. All three judges dominated the fight. That's an L. But the rest were all wins. Bowl game, the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl. Fresno State, man, the line moved more than a touchdown. Fresno State dogs to favorites, and they just whomped Washington State. Not close. Easy win. Friday night in women's soups. This was the Pauly too much spread special. USC Upstate was 51.5 point dogs in North Carolina. They got absolutely throttled, but 51.5 was too much spread. They lost by 40 something and never really threatened the line. And then uh, this one came down to the wire, to the wire of the wire, then the wire another time, and yet more wire because the man who sort of knows went with the Argentinians in the World Cup final to beat France. They were up 2 0, then it was 2 2. They were up 3 2 an extra time, then it was 3 3. And then they won on PK's Little Messi. Argentina the win, the man who sort of knows four wins, two losses over the weekend. And uh, here's Mario's picks from Friday, the Saco six-pack. He went three and three. Uh, one college basketball pick. He had the Zags money line over Bama. Gonzaga was a slight underdog in the game. They won it 190. That's a lot of points. Zags are good. Bama's good. 
So the Zags with a win there. Uh, here's one. Um, you know, it's not going to change the result, but Mario is infuriated with this. He had the Vikings covering three and a half. Well, the Vikings covered a 33-point deficit, and they won the game. It was the largest comeback in the entire history of the National Football League. And they only won by three in overtime. Sorry, that's an L. Ravens, terrible game of the Browns. They lost 13-3, to which means they didn't cover the three. Cowboys, on the road at the Jags, just yacked on their shoes late. They were favored by four, and they lost. Uh, Giants won and covered the four, four. Well, they didn't cover the four and a half. They were four and a half point dogs last night, so they covered easily. And the Lions covered against the Jets. So Mario goes three and three with that. Let's go back to the phones quickly. Our friend Scooter in Jamesville is with us. Scoot, welcome in. Yeah, and Louie and Bowie was it was a great time. Uh, I I started following basketball in, the, in about nineteen seventy. Of course, they came in seventy six. Louie was a great guy. If you're if you're in a walk on here, if you, you always talk about the 118 wins. Take a look at the scores, especially when they played Siena. It was a great time to be a walk on because <laughs> they were usually they, they they were usually that game was wrapped up usually by halftime. And uh, there's a guy named Danny Boyle that transferred in from Tampa. He used to be a punter, but they dropped the football program. I think he had a couple of double digits as a walk on. I think it was in '77 and they played Siena. Uh, the Ernie Bernie show. I don't know if they. That's the uh, first year that they played in the tournament, and they, they, Ernie Grunfield and, and Bernard King and Coach Beheim made a statement: if we hold them below fifty, we'll win the game. They scored forty-nine, though. So Louis Bowie against Ernie and Bernie, and then uh, of course Louis and Bowie won it. Um, also, it's kind of unique. I don't know. If, you know, right now it's normal, but Louis Orr was the original guy I remember back in the seventy-seven surgery on his knee. But the orthoscopic variety, mm. you know that that was unique. That's forty-five years ago, and so I mean, he's going to miss five weeks of the of the season. And he actually did the orthoscopic surgery where they didn't have to bleed. He went in with a microscope and you know and everything else. So he he was back within a week, and that that's the norm now. But back then in the seventies, you have you know you had surgery on your knee. You were you were, you were going to bounce back in a couple of weeks. He did, and uh, but he had a you know, great career. He's a great person. I remember the game, the original uh, Big East, where everything was just thrown together. There wasn't home and home. And we played St. John's for the normal title regular season. And back then, there was homers. They actually brought your own officials. We played at St. John's. We brought our homer. They had their homer. And Louis stole the ball with seconds left and laid it in to win the game. And is there going to be a block or a charge? And you know, luckily, our homer Pierce Domkowski was underneath the basket, <laughs> called it a black. But you, back then, this is before the Jim Burr and Tim Higgins. If you saw Pete Pava show up for the game, we know Syracuse in for a tough time. Our our homer was uh, Peter Stemkowski that did a lot of games in the Dome, and he loved to be animated. He wanted to make sure you saw his call. He would run right to the middle of the court and be animated on his calls and stuff. But So we so back then, you brought your own one official. Remember, there's only two officials, but Louie, you know, great guy. I guess Billy Joe had it right. Only, only the good die young because he went he went way before his time. All right, Scooter. Thanks as always uh, for the call. Appreciate the memories. That is Scooter in uh, Jamesville. Uh, my my referee fun fact is uh, I grew up around the corner, give or take, from Jim Burr. My last name is the same as Tim Higgins. Like that's all terrible. Like you you don't want to have any association with the refs that nobody likes. That's not that's not good. What are you going to do? All right, we'll hit a break. Hour two. Charlotte Carroll talking Giants. When we come back, Dan Fates three thirty. 
NFL in the second hour today on the 315. It's QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio.